SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey, and I'm coming to you on the precipice of what is probably going to, well, hopefully will be a very quiet month of hockey things, maybe a month and a half uh, before training camp opens up. But we've got the usual crew assembled this evening. We're going to do one more quick episode, kind of tie up all the loose ends from free agency madness from the last uh, week to two weeks, and uh, put a bow on all that, and then look ahead to a summer where Probably not much is going to happen. So before I get too far away from all that, I want to bring in the usual cast of characters who are all with me this evening. First off, it is the analytic styling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, the hockey world's about to be as dead as I feel at 10 o'clock p.m. I'm 26 years old and I feel dead at 10 o'clock p.m. Can we, can can we, what is happening? I don't know what's happening, Shepard. I mean, he's Chandler Bing. (laughs) Like I get up at six thirty and I'm I'm an adult and I don't like this. You're like they get in, they get stop. You're in the media world like you're supposed to be a night owl. I know. I except I have a day job in media. Yeah. Well, how do you watch Vegas then? They they play on the West, not that, Pacific time zone, right? But still, that, that is a that, that is they a play hurdle, a lot of games. I will say yes. Uh-huh. I guess that's a hurdle I will face when it when I come to it. Uh, All right. Well, uh, good luck with that. I guess when any teams go to the West Coast, we'll make sure you don't recap them. Okay. <laughs> I will be asleep by the second period. <laughs> uh, old man Shepherd. I you know that makes me feel because I, I I as as I am significantly older than you. I I'm understanding more and more. And more. It's really just a mindset thing. Like Shepherd, I was out till four a.m. Friday night. Come on, dude. Yeah, you're so I, lucky you got to that Jimmy World set. Yeah, oh, it was wonderful. Jealous. Yeah, jealous. I, I, I'm not going out anytime soon because again, St. Louis mask mandate. Yeah. Oh well, you can you can still wear a mask and go outside. Oh, well, anyway, uh, let's bring in the rest of the crew before we get too far away. You just heard his voice a little bit. He is the second city hockey. Ah, he is the second city hockey. What Dexter Holland is to the offspring, it is Mil Savage. Pretty fly for a white guy. Also, um, I have no opening monologue. Boycott the Ricketts. I yeah I uh, I co-sign all of that, um, and then also with us this evening, she is Second City Hockey's bull and wall of text. It is Betsy. Um, if I'm not as like super excited this week during the podcast, and AK that means I won't be as verbose. Um, it's because I'm getting over a tummy issue. 
and I need more sleep. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to call that an upper body injury. Uh, she was a game time decision pretty much every day this week. Uh, we hope she's going to play through it, but we might have to send her to the room before the third period's over. It's true. <laughs> hey, what, if, what if thick LBR pronounces all the Russian names not like right off the bat correctly? <laughs> it's like LBR in reverse. I'm usually okay with Russian names. It's it's like names you wouldn't think I would have trouble with. That I'm just like I don't even. Why am I trying this? I just use that as a yeah. I I don't know. They're all Russian to me. <laughs> Swedish. I have trouble with Swedish names a lot. French. Can't pronounce French anything. Fair enough. Put lay in front of it. That's all. That's French. No. Lay <laughs> grill. As, as, a, as a French speaker, no. Oui, oui. <laughs> what the hell is lay grill? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, sorry. That's that's the mood I'm in right now. Well, I mean, we're we're gathered, like as I said earlier, like there's not really too much to talk about, and hockey's pretty much going to be done for the next two months. Uh, Bob McKenzie's drinking margaritas somewhere in the middle of nowhere, so uh, it's it's going to get sideways in a hurry tonight, folks. So hope you're hope you're all ready for it. Um, also, I I forgot to everyone uh, mention Twitter handles because Mill is at Mill One Eighty Two, Shepherd is at Shepherd Price, and I think I'm back on Twitter finally. I think I've found my way around the twitter banning algorithm again so uh it's at sch underscore dave m if anybody wants more mediocrity on their timeline that's where you can find me now and starting in about three weeks here i hope you like high school because you're going to get a lot of them um but go dogs <laughs> new coach this year mill but big, big things going for your guys i don't, I don't pay attention <laughs> so, so mill and actually i i actually want to ask the the panel about this and this is the reason actually i referenced the offspring when i introduced you to the panel but has anybody else watched the Woodstock documentary yet? Uh, yeah, I but I really, I really want to watch the Metallica. Let's see what they say about the Metallica set and the Lip Biscuit set because they're crazy. The Metallica set gets very little play uh, oh, because yeah. everything had already gone haywire by that point. The uh, Limp Biscuit set gets a lot of publicity because I guess they pretty much tried to pin the whole thing on Fred Durst. Yeah. Which is entirely <laughs> wrong. But Dude, also, the Kid Rock set like ruined everything. Kid Rock started it. He, I think, it was uh, the basis for Limbiscuit walked out with middle fingers in the air, which was indicative of the mood of the entire. I had no idea how crazy everything got on Sunday. It just turned into a mass, uh, like basically, um, just just mass chaos. Like everything got looted. They were breaking into ATMs. The one guy said, "I didn't drink any water until Sunday night because we stole it all," or something like that. Metallica set is amazing, though. Um, but that's all I got. So yeah, I I'll have to watch that soon. That's a that's a good call. Offspring set's good. The Metallica set's amazing. Shepard and Betsy, you guys were alive in '99, right? Yes. Okay, yes. just making sure. <laughs> as as I read, we start talking about this. I'm like, I think I might have just aged myself a little bit because I, I vaguely remember it happening. And I don't remember that it was quite the shit show that it turned out to be. So, uh, so for all the kids out there, uh, if you need some entertainment on a, a random summer night here, watch that documentary. It's really good. Woodstock um, was like the first ever thing to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're legitimately never doing this again. It was probably a good idea. Like they tried to, they tried to make a like a tribute to something that was thirty years ago, like at a completely different time, place, and cultural position. So, yeah. It's it's good though. Highly recommend. Ten out of ten. Um, so you guys want to talk about some hockey? 
I mean, we don't have too much to talk about, but I guess we could try, right? Yeah. I so, mean, always let's try. Before Shepard and I hijacked this and turned it into a pro wrestling podcast, so we should get the hockey in. Well, yeah, I've said that. We've got about 10 minutes before that happens. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the main reason, the main thing we want to do tonight is kind of go player by player with some of the big names that the Blackhawks added in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, we talked a lot about the draft picks last week. I want to kind of go retroactively and talk about the new guys because I think, well, now that we know they're all going to be here, um, I think much of the success or failures of the next season is going to hinge on how a few of these guys do, especially the player that we're going to start with tonight, which is goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, who did confirm on Sunday via a video from a private jet tarmac somewhere that he is going to play for the Blackhawks this season because the reports were that he was contemplating retirement, which is understandable, but uh, he's going to be in Chicago. He's automatically the number one goalie. He won the Vezina trophy last year, but we wanted to just kind of dive into a little bit more in depth about him. And uh shepherd wrote a piece that I hit at our website, I believe on Monday or t- Tuesday, Monday It was Monday. Sorry guys. Days of the week are all blurring together again. It's just like last April and May and June, all those days. But anyway, it got a little bit more in depth. So Shepard, I was going to go to you first and just kind of, if you want to summarize that and add any other points about things that the average Blackhawks fan may not know about Marc-Andre Fleury when they see him on the ice this year. Yeah. So his last season was really good. Like a, nine, a 928 save percentage, uh, well above, well, well above goal saved above expected. And good at good gar, one of the best goaltenders in the league. The year before that, it was shaky. Uh, not great. 905 save percentage. Uh, there's a reason they traded the Golden Knights traded for Robin Leonard at the deadline, used him in the playoffs, and then signed him to a five-year want, extension. I want to pause you right there because somebody, one of our commenters pointed out something. Actually, I think this was somebody who came over from Knights on Ice and shared this with us, and this is something that I did not know about. But apparently in November 2019, so during that season that you just talked about, Shepard, uh, Mark Andres Fleury's father passed away to lung cancer and yeah. by all reports, he and his father were very close. So that's where there may have been some sort of connection between those two. There may have been for sure. Like, I don't think he was in the right proper headspace that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then COVID started hitting in February in, well, in Mar- March, but got, yeah, for got some, here some places March. before then. Yeah, some well, it would get got here. It got here well before March. It, I may have it, had it. Shit got, got real in March. Let's let's yeah. Like that. <laughs> yes. So like that throws everybody uh, into a different headspace. So there might have been things about that, but again, he's thirty-seven years old, almost thirty-eight. He we're we're kind of in the same age range as we were expecting to be with Duncan Keith before he got traded. He'll be thirty-seven in November. Yeah, I don't want to like age that, him. That he's, he's he's not young. No, he's Brent. He is, isn't he like Brent Seabrook's age? Wasn't he drafted in the same class as Brent? He was drafted. Yeah, in the same class oh, as Brent right? Seabrook. Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah. So that kind of paints a picture of how old Mark Andre Fleury is, which is why that nine hundred five season might also be a little bit worrying. Uh, mm-hmm. That that this Vezina season again, the first in his career, the first time he's been a finalist uh, for the Vezina, which is a GM voted award. Um, and you'd think like some of the Pittsburgh GMs would have some polling power. Um, it's, I wouldn't expect him to hit that mark again, but a, a, a 
career average season for him is like 915, and I'll take that. Yeah, even um, if, if he comes down from the ceiling of a Vezina Trophy winner, it's still a pretty damn good goalie. Yes, especially behind, again, and they didn't fix it that much. Arguably the worst defensive system in the league. Uh, he was in Vegas where he had, where he had arguably, inarguably way better defensemen. Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, Alec, Alex Petrangelo, uh, Nate Schmidt for years. Uh, Braden McNabb is probably around the same level as Connor Murphy. Uh, lower, I'd say, but around the same level. They do the same job. Um, and that's their top four. And they're all largely yeah, better right. than any we, of the Blackhawks. Yeah, Vegas has better defense. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a concern I have with Marc-Andre Fleury coming to Chicago. The other, the other thing is he is not Corey Crawford. Keep, keep that in mind. He does not have the same positioning and knowledge of angles. And like, just again, you never saw Corey Crawford make that many flashy saves because he didn't have to a lot of pucks on purpose hit him center center mass. And he just like stopped it. Uh, Mark Ronzi Fleury is going to make a lot of flashy saves and it's going to be fun, but like he's making those flashy saves because he's often, and certainly a lot more often caught out of position than uh, Corey Crawford is like, that's the thing to remember about athletic goaltenders like him and Jonathan quick is that those guys get kind of caught out of position sometimes because well, they I, don't have the same knowledge of angles. I feel like, like Dilly and Subban both kind of have that mold where they more of an athletic style. And the problem with those who they would get caught swimming like way out of their crease Fleury yeah. is at least within the ballpark of able to come back and make this save. And that's something that I guess you have to learn over time at the NHL level. Maybe Dealey and Subban haven't figured that out and maybe they won't ever figure it out, but clearly Fleury has figured it out somewhat because he just won the Vezina trophy. So, yes. And he's also a very, just a forewarning. He's a very aggressive uh, stick handler. Like you will get out of his. Crease oh, to, to like, I don't know. Game three in a uh, conference final. Series was that one? He gets aggressive. Yeah. Okay. Poor flower. <laughs> uh, Betsy Mill, anything else to add on Mark Andre Fleur? I know Shepard took uh, most of the talking points there, but um, somebody once mentioned that Flower kind of uh, his his seasons go in like threes, like so it's like a kind of bad, like not bad, like bad, terrible, but you know, like 905, 906, 909. And then he does an average season and then he does a really good season. Um, so if he's doing, if he's in that rotation, we're hopefully getting an average season next year at the very least. So. I'll, I'll, I think an average Marc-Andre Fleury season is probably better than a average, like Colin Delia season or Kevin. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and say, so, one of the reasons I wanted them to keep Corey Crawford, I wanted to, I wanted him to sign for two years because I wanted somebody to like mentor Lankinen and help with that. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury could definitely help in that regard. I think it's why they signed Cam Ward back in the day, even though he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a whole thing about that. The only issue is of course that like that you might, we might run into is that Colleton ended up riding Lincoln in maybe a little too much last year because he was doing so well for so long. Um, and he didn't get as much rest. I don't want him to do the same thing to flurry where he rides him and then tires him out because I think that might've been part of his issue towards the end in the playoffs with Vegas, you know, it was just a lot towards the end. So right. 
and also compacted schedule pandemic all that all those yeah exactly so it'll be interesting to see what they do i hope it's more i hope it's closer to how like Corey crawford and um oh my god how am i blanking on the goaltender no his backup in 2013 ray emery nancy ronto no ray emery yeah, Emory. So they split much more evenly, which is why they both got the Jennings. You know, some a lot of times the Jennings only goes to one goaltender because it's the it's like a certain limit they have to hit. Right. And so they both got it um, because they split it so evenly. I would like it to be closer to that. Obviously, Flurry gets more, but make sure that Lincoln gets his playing time and maybe a little bit more than a normal backup does. And I think that would be a really good tandem in. I- for the for the for the season. I feel like the most ideal scenario with this goaltending arrangement, assuming it's Flurry one and Lincoln in two, which I think we're all kind of just assuming at this point. Um, I think the most ideal scenario is that they both play very well, but then maybe second half of the season, Kevin Lincoln goes on a heater and actually wrestles the number one job away from Flurry and takes it for the rest of the season. And then Flurry leaves in free agency or retires or whatever. And then Lincoln is your number one guy next season. Like that would be the ideal, right? That'd be awesome. But I'm <laughs> fine with. So I know everybody is like the moves that they made seem like very like we want to try to hit it this season. I am not that optimistic, and so no. if if <laughs> <laughs> obviously we're not all that optimistic. So Flower being here and he goes the whole way, and this is more of a like learning to pace yourself, getting um, uh, like up to better up to speed and not having to shoulder it all for Lincoln. I'm fine with that too. If he comes out the number one at the end of the season, awesome. If he's still the backup at the end of the season, but you can definitively go, you know, like he's a Soros to Rene, uh, Rene then I think you've won something there too. To me. Yeah. Mill, anything else to add? Uh, well, you know, I agree with Betsy, like, and I think this is something we talked about on a bunch of podcasts early last season that we were kind of unsure about the goalies. So it's definitely nice, be it Crawford or uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, to have a future Hall of Fame caliber goalie to learn from for a guy like Kevin Lankner. Mm-hmm. Um But, and I'm a, I'm a Fleury fan. I actually have a Fleury jersey. But it screams that the organization has no idea what they're doing because they could have just given that kind of money to Corey Crawford. Like he went to New Jersey for that before he decided to retire. Yeah. I mean, they could have given it to him a year ago, I guess. Well, I guess maybe they changed their plans in terms of uh, long-term approaches. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to defend, I don't know to defend it. Cause I don't think you're wrong, Bill, but. Well, I just, I'm saying in that regard that I don't think that they have any long-term future plan. Like we're all saying, Oh, this could happen or this. It's like, I don't even know what they're thinking, so we'll yeah. see what yeah. happens. Yeah, their their booking is not nearly as good as AW's. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, there we go. There it join is. Dark, join Dark Order. But uh, join Dark Order. Let's go. Uh, but I'll just say that in the immediate future, I think I'm amongst. Uh, I can speak for all of us where we all enjoy Mark Andre Fleury as a player and a, and seemingly a person from what we know, and uh, uh, we're happy to have him and to watch him. He's a great athlete and. Hopefully he'll be good for the team. Yeah, I I was gonna actually get to that point, Mills. I again, these are pro athletes. We don't know them. We I've never met them. I've never hung out with them. So you don't really know them. But right. as much as I, Mark Andre Fleury has been around for almost 
for at least 15 years now. And I've like, he's by and large seemed like an enjoyable person and he seems like he genuinely enjoys playing hockey and he's an easy person to cheer for. And the fact that he's in Chicago, I thought that was pretty cool. Like I remember on the, one of the road to the winter classic behind the scenes or 24 seven, whichever one the penguins were on, I watched every episode and came away from it really liking Mark Andre Fleury. So uh, the fact that he's in Chicago, like it's fun to have a guy that you can cheer for. Yeah. And you know, uh, because I have such a strong Pittsburgh connection with friends and family there. They all still love them. Uh, I went to Hawks pens in November of 19. So it was like uh, a long time ago, but recent enough because of COVID and uh, <laughs> right. I like to go to a game and that building was even with having Crosby and all these guys, they still plenty of 29 shirts in that building. So uh, that's, you know, something we can be happy about. Yeah, I actually, I had a friend from college who's from the Pittsburgh area, and I texted him as soon as it was made official. And, like, the first thing he said is, uh, I'd love to have him back. Uh, he's he's about as enjoyable as you can get with a pro athlete. So so that doesn't suck, especially given given all the other stuff going on with the Hawks these days. Uh, we'll, we'll take that. Yeah. Again, and, and like a cult of personality or a, a dearth of it in the NH, in the in a dearth of the NHL. Fleury's got a lot of personality, and it's it's a really good one. Yeah. So um, I just, um, I, I hope he plays as well as he did last season in the upcoming season in Chicago. That's about uh He's got his work cut out for him. He does. It's uh, that's again, that's always the, uh, that's always the, the caveat you have to issue with any Blackhawks goaltending discussion is God knows what they're going to be getting in front of him. And that is actually the perfect segue for the next player we wanted to talk about, which is Jake McCabe from the Buffalo Sabres who the more and more I read about him, the more and more it seems like the Hawks got a, just like a sneaky good pickup. Like I don't want to put him in the Johnny Oduya category, but when the Hawks made that trade, I felt like it was kind of a shrug of the shoulders and he and Yalmerson got put together and they were awesome for the next three to four years. I don't want to say he's going to be that, but I think that's just kind of the idea of a move that went under the radar, which could have significant more uh, benefit than, was initially realized. So I don't know who else has the burning Jake McCabe thoughts. Uh, I I've looked at a lot of the fancy stats. A lot of the uh, analytics give him pretty good reviews. He did only play 13 games last season because of an injury. Yeah. Um, and he's, he swears that he's going to be back a uh, back up to hundred percent this year. So uh, I don't, and if anybody's got uh, Jake McCabe thoughts, have at him. Underrated good defenseman, but I think, uh, LBR, you're writing the McCabe piece, right? Yep. Um, and he's very, he was well-liked in Buffalo. Um, I Like, I, I think I've said this before, but um, in the South, there's not a lot of people who, you know, watch hockey. Um, and in my <laughs> office, there was only one person, and he was a Buffalo Sabres fan. And when he traded, um, we have like a slack of people because he doesn't, he doesn't actually work with us anymore, but um, it's like a alumni of people <laughs> lost in our department. And he immediately hit me up and he was like, oh, such a steal. You know, you're going to like him. Um, and he's not a meatball at all. Like, he, like as a fan, doesn't like love guys that just hit, but he's like, you'll like him because when he hits, it's meaningful. You know, like he does it often. <laughs> but it's in a way it's rarely in a way that's not for purpose. Um, and I was like, Oh, that will be so, you know, nice to see for a change. <laughs> um, 
Hint, hint. Is, is, is there a certain player you're referencing in this? We, he, he doesn't exist anymore. That's, that's right. He's gone. He's not even in the division anymore. Yeah. Can, I, peace I, out. So um, I'm excited for him. Uh, he It's interesting because he's a defensive defenseman, but from what I can read from um, his underlying microstats, he's got a really good first pass. Um, he helps drive play, even though he doesn't get a, like a lot of um, points. He gets, he gets around the like, maybe he'll get hit like 20, 25 points, maybe. Um, if he plays a full season, which again is something he hasn't done since I want to say it was the 16, 17 season. He, he um, so he 66 does. games in 19 in, in 1920, which was the pandemic shortened one where two, oh, okay. so around he did 70. So pretty good. that was okay. pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's not going to put up a lot of points, but he apparently helps drive offensive play. Like he's not useless there, which is, uh, I was, I mentioned that Jalmerson's like, was like that. He was really good at driving play, good passing, you know, that kind of thing to get plays to the other end. If, even if he didn't ultimately get points out of it. So good defensive and play driving, I'll take it. Yeah. You don't like he's not going to be the guy that leads the rush and makes two or three passes that result in the goal. But it sounds like he's the guy that can at least like when the Hawks would hand in their own end for like 45, 60 seconds at a time, he's the guy that will be in the right position to corral the puck, get it to a teammate so they can get the hell out of their own end. Yep. Yeah. I don't want to make the comparison because it's not an exact comparison, but a guy like him can sort of do the thing Seabrook used to do where he can rotate over and, and knock his guy off the puck he can make that stretch pass, but he's going to succeed a lot more when they put the kibosh to this hybrid system. <laughs> I, bet, I was waiting. I was waiting for the word system to come up at some point. Well, I knew it well, would. Well, only because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if, if he rotates over to the sideboard, you know, to make a hit on, on his man, who is his man and, and the puck gets by him and there's nobody in the slot. It's like, goodbye. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's that Keith would use, you know, Seabrook and Keith used to do that all the time. Keith would rotate over, protect the slot, you know, and and that's great. But I, I think he's going to be a, a nice, uh, a very nice upgrade over um, uh, the. He MPS shall not be named. He shall not be named. I was going to say like Darko Milicic. <laughs> I think this will be a good season to show because, you know, arguably you've got Murphy, who's a we know is a good defenseman. You, you've got McCabe, who's a good defenseman. You've got Seth Jones, who you hope will be a good defenseman. Um, there are people who argue he's great. If Dehan's still here, and then you've got some kids that are that look solid. This will be a good year to see if, because people are always going, well, Carlton Systems never really had a full, well, this is the year they will, won't they? Yeah. So, yeah. The defensive it, talent here does not look that bad like there's 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 some players here like you're saying and i've you know we've always been arguing that players that were good defensively somewhere else that now look kind of like iffy like dehan sometimes you're like what are you doing and it's like no it's the system or even taves before that you're like or sod you know we both we all knew that they were good and then stuff would happen and you're like but why because the system so this will be the proof um, there's no personnel excuses here now. Well, I don't, I don't blame the system for Keith. I blame that. I think he no. hates Jeremy Collison. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. That, I, that, I legitimately that, think so. That's why I didn't yeah. mention, that's why I didn't mention Keith. Cause we, we know what's up. 
The problem, <laughs> the problem with the defensive system may now be that there's no room for kids because the bottom pairing might be Caleb Jones, Riley Stillman. And that's a, I, it, it seems like to me like a very real possibility that that's the third pairing to start. I mean, to be fair, both of them are still. Yes, they they still, yes, but Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodan have have higher ceilings than inarguably either of the two. Yeah, them. but I I would argue that last year they did. Mitchell definitely hit a wall, um, and some of that I I I think is because he couldn't adapt to this. Okay, we're gonna stop saying the word system. Or there needs to be a that. meme for Colleton where it's like is great with young guys, does not dress young guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Q narrative, except true. Actually true. <laughs> um, everything they thought about Q. <laughs> they need to have like they need to bring back the real world, but make it like Colleton and Quenville and Stan Bowman, and like all of them have to live together in like a room. <laughs> and we lock that room, and, and, yeah. from, we lo- and we lock that room from the outside, and yeah. we don't have to worry about Stan Bowman ever again. And they just leave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, join Dark. No, I, I, I said I said it was going to start getting sideways, and here we are. um but but yeah like i i I, every time i look at the the blue line like i may not see like a clear-cut number one but like i think you can get three distant pairings out of that group like just on paper at least and i feel like you're gonna see a lot of jake mccabe and Connor murphy in the last minute of a game that'll be your like shut down last minute pairing but god willing <laughs> yeah. better, better I mean, they'll have to have a lead to have to shut it down. But remember the Zadorov Murphy shutdown pairing? No, you see, you said the word, Mill. I don't care. <laughs> to hell. Yes, but now, but now he knows your location. Yeah, if you say uh, it two more times, he'll appear behind you. Dude, I have, I have, man, I have, four, I have four curses for this <laughs> to protect me from being killed by by a large Russian defenseman. Oh. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, uh, I'm trying to think if there's uh, anything else. Oh, I guess the, the other guy we could talk on who's about the farthest you can get away from the large Russian defenseman is Tyler Johnson, who's a small American forward. Very small. He's, he's American, right? Yeah. yeah I, okay. I think so. Yeah. Undrafted. Great in, the, uh, great in college. Yeah, he's from uh, Spokane, Washington. So there think, you go. Yeah. I think Betsy and I both talked about uh, how he was probably on pace to be a better, like, uh, scoring threat if he didn't break his wrist. Yeah. But he's still good. Like, and, still and that's that's exactly line. what I wanted best to elaborate on because it seemed like that was kind of the turning point of his career, unfortunately. So he, he technically had a couple more seasons of good offense after that, like high offense, but you could tell watching him that he was not, he wasn't scoring in the same way or passing the same way. Um, and with natural age decline, cause you know, he's getting up there too. Uh, they just all started hitting him in the like last couple of years, like last season and the season before that. And it's not that he's not still productive because he's still putting up, you know, he could put up a solid 40, 45 points given the right line mates and situation. I'm sure. Um, Just from hard work. He's like a really hard worker. You know, he's like, he always is going to hustle. And he still has energy guy. Yeah, and he still has the offensive instinct so he could get to where he needs to be for tap-ins and stuff like that. He's just not doing as many fancy backhands or um, he used to do a really, really nice backhand pass, um, saucer pass that was, you know, it's not something you usually see from an undrafted kid. Um, But after his wrist, it just, he couldn't do it anymore, really. Um, 
he's just, it's the, what you see on the ice just doesn't match with his contract. That's the only problem with him. You Who's Dawes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, McKenna, you're right. I, I mean, you're right. Well, no, I mean on the Hawks. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Like, he's a Murphy's. But I guess, like, uh, that's fair. But I guess um, I would just add, like, a lot of people in the comments were trying to compare him who hadn't watched him to, like, Kruger or Camps. And it's like, he is not that type of center. Okay. I will take the blame for this. I think this was my fault because when I when they first got him, I said – um, he was, I said that they, the lightning used him like Kruger in a comment because he was the four C during the, yeah, period. yeah, sure. And sure. everybody ran with it. Like, Oh, he's Kruger. And I was like, no, no, I meant they used him as a shutdown center because they had the, um, luxury they, the, the NHL all-star team. They had yeah. enough talent on the three lines above him that they could put him on the fourth line. Yeah, I, that's Hawks like, don't have that. Yeah. That's Not like in, when, we were putting Marion Hosa on the third line, you know, like he, he's kind of a land of misfit toys guys where he's can pretty much play on any line, depending on the situation and team. Uh, but I kind of want to see him play with Strom. If Strom's going to play on the wing. If Strom's going to play in Chicago. <laughs> I, well, Bowman came I out and said the other day, they're not making any more moves. They're good on the cap. How? I don't know, but I hope they keep Strom. I actually hope they keep the Han too. Cause I think that top four would be pretty nice. I mean, that's, that's not, you don't, you don't, Go ahead. Go ahead, Shepard, quickly. You don't want to know why why uh, they're good on the cap because it's uh, it's, a, it's a certain number nineteen. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't think that's. I'll, I'll I'll worry about that in late September. We'll we'll see, but I just mean like uh, assuming Strom plays. That's who I'd like to see him play with Strom on the because I'm just assuming Strom's going to stay and be on the wing because they just gave up on him at center. They're like, fuck this. I was like, okay. I, I, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I'm advocating trading Stroma. Just I always, it seemed like he was going to be expendable just the way the Hawks have kind of dealt, handled him it in the seemed, last year or two. Well, yeah, and every single person I wrote a recap on for the season got traded besides him. All right. Well, uh, so well, that was like the first one I wrote. No, first four. I, yeah. So it's just like, what the hell, man? Yeah. Remind me that next April if, uh, if that, if that, if we get to that point. Yeah. All right. Well, there's there's one other guy that we want that the Blackhawks acquired, who's been kind of talked about a little bit. We might touch on him a little bit more and a few other things, but we're going to do that on the other side of this timeout. So come on back for that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, we want to talk about one more guy that the Blackhawks acquired that uh, I'm sure everyone's already sick of hearing about him. And you guys all know it's Jujar Kyra, right? <laughs> that, that's who that's who we meant no yeah that's totally who we meant it's pronounced kyra not Kara. correct i i didn't I say that right we are gonna learn <laughs> i mean every time i watch the the broadcast for the oilers they say kyra okay well hopefully they're correct i'm, I'm gonna look at the pronunciation guy and shepherd had some we were talking about him off air briefly where i said maybe he's just like another brandon bowling but apparently i that's significantly insulting to him. So uh, Shepard, tell, tell the people why I'm wrong. Well, yeah, he's, he's somebody who's actually able to play with some talent. Uh, unlike Brendan Bullock, he <laughs> played with Ryan Newton Hopkins and did so well. Like he moves the puck. Well, he's they've, they've used a, a phrase meatball city. Uh, he's a little bit like he, he, he likes to go for hits. They're mostly more effective than hits. We were used to last season. 
Um, think of him like a taller Shaw, maybe. That he's got some skill to his game. He's got some tenacity. Can he skate? That is yes. My, that can, is that's can, all my that's my can, question yes. with big guys these days is they have to be able to skate. And also, he according to the Blackhawks website, it is Kara, not Kyra. So it's Jr. Kara. He can, he can move to uh, a little yeah. bit for a big guy. Yeah, he can move. Yeah, so think of him like Shaw. He can play up and down the lineup. Uh, although you would prefer him to be deeper in the lineup. Um, but he, if he's a guy who plays every game, you don't mind that. Yeah, I was going to say, from the micro-tracking stats, um, some people had asked me, well, how does he compare to Kempf? And I was like, well, his transition stats, his actual, like, carry-in and his attempts at it aren't as high or as successful, but he's way better at fetching the puck, so he's better at dump and chase, which is a viable way to gain possession if you're really good at it. Um, So if he's really good at it and his line mates are, then... That's ex- <laughs> the Blackhawks aren't haven't been traditionally great at that, so that's not <laughs> Shaw was. So <laughs> that comparison continues to be apt. It does seem like the Hawks have a lot of guys who are fourth liners. I mean, may, I mean, maybe some of these guys end up in Rockford. Obviously, like I, I, I assume Mike Hardman's going to be in Rockford. I guess Mackenzie Entwistle is going to be heading to Rockford this season. Um, but I mean, Carpenter's a fourth liner. Care is a fourth liner. Who was the first right. person? Uh, Hardman. Uh, no, like of those, he's going to be in Rockford, and then and then Entwistle will be in Rockford. We said Ryan Carpenter's a fourth liner. Oh, yeah. Brett, Brett Connolly's probably a fourth liner. Connolly's better not third play. Liner. Connolly yeah. can play. <laughs> I don't want him to play because he should go away. I want Connolly to play on the third line. Put him with Strom and uh, Tyler Johnson. They're going to score a bunch of bum goals. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. And then where where are you putting Lucas Reichel? Assuming he's here. Uh, he's not ready. He's 12. <laughs> he's 12. Okay. That's fair. Um, when, yeah, it, when right. there's a coach that can give him adult supervision, we'll bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next season, next season when the coach is Rocky Thompson, we'll be good. You mean like <laughs> ten, 10 games into the season when it's somebody else? I hope. I don't know if I want Mark Crawford working with rookies. Colleton's not going to get 86 unless they go on some kind of like one nine and one skid. Well, um, they're not that bad now. That's the problem. The roster is going to outplay them for like mediocrity. That was the I mean, there were, I mean, yeah, there were literally people that were like, should Colleton get the Jack Adams last year when Lincoln and <laughs> Oh, I do remember. And everybody was like, no, stop. the Jack ass. Award is what he should have got. Um, I will say, like, if we get to, if we get to like Thanksgiving and the Hawks are like ten five and three, but we like look at the numbers and it's because Flurry's thrown out a nine fifty and they're getting destroyed in every possession metric, but the power play goes off for a month. It's like it'll be the exact same story as last season <laughs> and the season yeah, I mean, before that, and then say. it'll all go to shit by Valentine's Day and we'll be back in the same place we were. Q got Q got all my optimism just went right out the damn window because that (laughs) seems so that seems like it's gonna happen. Like it it seems too real because it's happened the last two or three seasons already. I'll just be interesting to see if if even if it's just a mediocre start, if it's just because Q got let go after 15 games going six, six, and three. 
You that know? was because John and McDonough didn't want to get fired. <laughs> well, and then ben, well, baby Bowman doesn't want to be fired because he's going on a few seasons now. I mean, yeah, but I'm convinced Jack Bowman did. can't get fired. I think he. I think eventually he's got more. Crux, he's got he more Horcruxes than me. <laughs> I mean, they fired Dennis Savard after a game he won. So yeah, but Dennis Savard was like a placeholder until they got good anyways. Well, <laughs> yeah. How did, well, but it's different. Like the, the problem is, I don't know if they're good yet. That's true. Well, yeah, we don't know if they're good. We'll never. <laughs> uh, speaking of guys that we don't know how good they are, Seth Jones. That's the player I, I actually wanted to touch on because we did we did talk about him a lot last week and he has been talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks and uh, I'm not completely exhausted of that of that whole narrative but I'm, I'm approaching it but I just wanted to make sure if there's any other Seth Jones thoughts that Mill Betsy or Shepard if any of you had and wanted to share with the class um, just want to make sure we haven't missed anything so any any other burning Seth Jones opinions. I've said my piece. He's yeah. a number. He's he's a number three defenseman. He's a, that's getting paid like a number one. And I I am growing. I've made up. I made up my mind. The last time I said I couldn't make up my mind whether the trade was worse or the contract was worse. I think enough people that are that are smart and I trust have said that he would have gotten that contract from somewhere. That it it's fine if they like. Arguably, the Blackhawks would have just have signed him to that same deal just seven years instead this offseason when he's a free agent. Yeah. Well, fine. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> but here's the bad thing. Again, again, watching, looking at the photos from Alex DeBrincat's wedding over the last weekend, Adam Boquist was a key part of that. That's a really bad trade. Why did you do that? Why did well, you Alex, give up? Uh, yeah, Adam, he got Adam, he got invited to that way before he got yeah, traded. Yes, but it's also he seems like a key piece of like the locker room. I mean, like, I think, think Boquist was actually in the party. Like he was one of the groomsmen. Yeah. Like Adam Boquist was like a good person to well, yeah. be around, arguably. And like, well, they both, I, I still don't get, again, I still think he's a better defensive than Seth Jones. And he's not that like, the Blackhawks would never have had to pay him. The Seth I'm not, Jones I'm not, I'm not going to grant you that Boquist is better than Seth Jones right now. Beth, Boquist has been better both of mm. the seasons he's mm. been in the NHL. Than yeah. Seth by, Jones. by, by analytics I, situationally, but what, did yes. And that's what matters. Team? Analytics but, matters. Okay, the best team it, in the league, the la- analytically, the last few seasons has been the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, but does his, do his do his numbers matter that much when he's when when the team didn't do shit? Like comparing them, both of them played on garbage teams. Yeah, I would say that Columbus is a little bit better. Was a little bit better than than Chicago, which means that Boquist put up better oh, numbers on a worse team. I got a good I got a good look at Columbus last season. They sucked pretty hard too. And what about the ice time? Yeah, I was about to say. I think te- technically Boquist was like he got mostly offensive zone starts. He didn't have nearly as much. Like faces higher quality of competition that tends to even and, out. And, and oh, and you're you're, you're going to say that Seth Jones, who played with inarguably that his team's best defenseman in Zach Wierenski versus yeah, playing with, Duncan, with play, versus playing with Duncan Keith. I'm sorry, 37 year old Duncan Keith. There's a huge difference between Zach Wierenski and Duncan Keith. But we I'm all not, agree with that. We're just saying that we have to kind of like you know. I, I, I can't actually, make up I, my mind till I watch him. I think Boquist is going to be better. Like they're going on different trajectories, but I mean, at this point, Seth Jones is here. We just gotta like accept it and hope he does well. You kind of just have to hope. Yeah, and like, there's not a lot you can do. Seth, Seth Jones, I wanna, if he proves to be a number th- like worthy of a number three defenseman role, that's 
good. Like, I'll, is it? Is it because then, then we're back? We're, then we're back where we started with Brent Seabrook. I actually Seabrook wasn't a number. Like Seabrook was barely a six. If Seth Jones plays like worthy of second pairing, like a second pairing role, I'll, I'll I can live with it. I won't like it because he's getting paid like a number one guy. But I mean, it's it's better than it's better than contributions you would have gotten from us. And I think that's where I've start. I've come around. I, I still don't like the trade, but I, I I I think I said this last week. Like I softened on how much I disliked it because, like Seth Jones, at minimum is a worthwhile competent NHL defenseman. He may not be Duncan Keith in his prime. He may not be Zach Wierenski, but he's still going to be at minimum decent. Yeah. And I, and they, they didn't have enough decent defensemen last season. So their arguments say he might not be actually decent. So that's, that's Shepard's point. I, I, I think that's a valid possibility. He might not be decent. There were times in Columbus, there's a reason his numbers are so bad that he was not decent. All the rest of the top four guys were still putting up good numbers. And when you watch, you could see why some of his numbers were like trash. Um, I think he's better than his analytics have shown the last two seasons. I just don't know if he's anywhere near what he was before. I will still hate the trade, even if he is a competent number three, not because of the cap hit because I try I try really hard not to pay attention to cap hits it'll be because of what they they gave up because they could have had a Boquist they could have had Cylinder uh, Cylinder and then they could have had whoever they're going to get next year because I think the Blackhawks will be just good enough not to get a lottery pick or something like that but not good enough to go very far but at this point we have to try real hard just to separate yeah you hope he does well Maybe as clean of a like, slate as possible. Yeah, maybe he clicks really well with uh, McCabe or something like that, and they're just rock stars together. You have to hope that he can at least be a two, because I don't think any of the players on the team right now are a true number one. I don't think there's that many teams that do have a true number one. Um, yeah. and you just there's, have to hope that they can do it by committee. Yeah, there's only so many Victor Hedmans in the NHL. Um, but I told, <laughs> I understand Shepard's frustration because, man, those numbers – he he did look bad, and his numbers are trash. Yeah, I, I I I would not have been as opposed to this trade if they was for an actual number one. It was just it's not, and it's never going. I don't think he's ever going to be back to a number one. Yeah, I, well, and I I, 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 I got, I've already accepted the fact that his contract is going to be killer, but uh, and it's only going to get worse as the years go on, and it's just the it's the Brent Seabrook conversation all over again. But but it's it's the, it's the next GM's problem. The hope is that he's 26 years old and that for the next three to four years, well, something 27. close. You, okay, 27. I'm looking at the J Fresh hockey player card. I mean, he's literally going to be 27 in like a month. That's okay. so either people way. Kept going, people kept going, oh, he's only 26. And I was like, I mean, by like. Uh, now like, we're getting into semantics. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that when you're talking about contract year, when something's coming up, because he's never, he's not going to be a 26 year old defenseman when he plays for the Blackhawks. Right, right. But yeah, just just the point is like if you can get like at least get like three or four years of of pretty good hockey out of him, or like like average to above average, maybe even good hockey out of him. Um, and then we'll just they'll he'll get some mysterious illness, they'll LTIR him, and then it'll be gone because that's how this works. Yeah, except he's not gonna do that at 31. Oh, which is oh, the problem. Shepard, ye of little faith. I'm sure the Blackhawks can find there's no team that knows how to circumvent this salary cap better than the Chicago Blackhawks. 
I'd argue a few teams. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, Toronto, <laughs> Vegas. Vegas is starting to get there a little bit. I mean, well, all right. The Hawks invented cap circumvention. Can I can I work on that one? Using they LTIR? Were, they were the first ones to do it successfully to win a cup. They're, all right. There <laughs> and we then go. Tampa, Tampa was like, we're going to cheat off you, but then just do even better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then my favorite part was that these uh, cap circumvention champions teamed up for the Tyler Johnson trade in the offseason. I thought that was very fitting. Uh, for a cap circumvention trade. Well, the one I, thing we Brent Seabrook, Tampa Bay Lightning legend. <laughs> the uh, one thing we can say about Jones before I just want to get this out is, yeah. is a lot more pressure to play in Chicago, especially for that contract. So if he does really suck as bad as we're saying he might suck, he's going to get booed out of the building. Well, actually, Mel, I don't know why I said that so loudly, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Well, first off, hopefully like, there was going to be full attendance at the start of the season. It's not right now as we're talking in the first week of August, it's not looking <laughs> so great about that for indoor <laughs> sports at least. But anyway, um, I, I, I know a couple of people that were on the season ticket waiting list for the Blackhawks. Who and like me who declined them? <laughs> no, but they're getting calls and texts from me the Blackhawks ticket people saying, do you want season tickets? And they said, that's the first time that's happened since they've been on that list which was like allegedly like a couple years deep of uh, that's how long the line was. You're going to have to wait a few years. And now all of a sudden they're calling people like, yeah, it, it was more was than one, it's, it's been more than one incident. So I'm starting to think like, I, like they've been not good for four or five seasons. Now I'm sure the first week or two, like the buzz of having, of being able to go to a Hawks game will be back. But then after that, like once we get into like, you know, them Tuesday night games in November, like I wonder how many people are going to be at those games. Mine came up last year, and that was the first time they called me since, uh, God, I don't know, it's like 10 years. And uh, I even got to pick my seats, and then I told them, I'm not giving you that money. This year. I'm not paying for it because there's no fans. Right. Because it's it's very expensive. Two seats and 329 were like 5600 bucks. And, uh, and then they called me this year, and I'm like, I'm not giving you a dime until you clear this front office stuff up. It's great. I mean, seriously, they called me. My phone said Blackhawks. Oh. And then they emailed me when I didn't pick up. Well, did you think they were calling you for a player tryout? <laughs> I mean, if you think Seth Jones analytics are bad, you don't want to see mine. <laughs> yeah, but can you skate, Mel? That's all that matters. Uh, can you skate? Uh, better than Nikita Zadorov, maybe? No, I'm just wow. kidding. Honestly, not, not anymore. I don't go regularly. Okay. Well, I'm too fat these days, Dave. Uh, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> um. So I guess I guess that's all the Blackhawks talk. Uh, I guess the only other thing that's come out in the last week is that uh, they announced there was an internal memo that wasn't that internal because everybody in the media got it that oh, the Blackhawks okay. are committed yeah. to releasing the findings from their internal investigation to the public. Um, I guess we'll see if they stick to that pledge when the investigation's done. I have not seen any sort of indication about a timeline for that. My gut, I like, I feel like they're going to try and wrap it up before the season starts, but who knows? Um, so I guess just stay tuned on that front. And, and any other burning thoughts on that one? I, I got nothing. Uh, hopefully they do what they're supposed to do. Hi, everybody from 2010. <laughs> I. I'm one of those people that likes to say, Hey, you need to get all the facts out there. Um, and I hope we get at least enough so we can like try to judge. I just, 
it's still really hard to take an investigation that's paid for by the Blackhawks. Yes. Like at face value. And for a while there, they, they weren't even committing to it going public. And then the wording of the internal memo didn't say all of it would be public or, you know, as much as they actually can, because some of it's going to have to be sensitive and censored and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They just kind of, they kind of made it so that the like end result would be. Um, so what's going public might not actually be what we're thinking about. Um, so I think a lot of like opinions will need to be gauged on that. Um and it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I just people get real like irritable about anybody making up their mind, yay or nay, so it far. Is. And I'm like, if people want to make up their mind already, let them. If people want to wait, let them. If people want to try to be neutral, let them. Just like <laughs> stop getting so hot about other people's opinions yeah. about it. I, I think my just overall feeling is with this whole situation is that however it ends up, you're just going to feel on just like unsatisfied and empties the uh, what'd you say shepherd unsatisfied unsatisfied yeah i think unsatisfied is a good word for it just like whatever it's just going to be you're going to be left uh expecting more from that that's just my that's just the the feeling because that's that's how it always seems to happen with professional sports and things yeah this, we're, especially we're, hockey it's just we're, we're all cynical here we're yeah. all like yeah uh, I'm not, I'm not thinking it's going to be, I, from the start, I was like, I don't think they're good. I don't think anything's going to come of this where they're going to fire people. But we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes and uh, stay tuned on that because um, I'm sure there's more to come. I'm sure Rick Westhead will have another report within two or three days. He's been a little quiet. So I'm sure something's about to come out. He's probably waiting for something like the Blackhawks to announce something so he can then be like, boom. Cause that's, that feels like, that's like what happened last time he waited for, all the like free agency stuff kind of to die down and then him go, ha ha <laughs> the next part. Uh, I do not have, um, I have not listened to the podcast before, but apparently Rick Westhead was on the Steve Dangle podcast today, which today being Wednesday night. So uh, I think I might have to check out that episode because apparently they talk a lot about the Blackhawks things. So if uh, after you finish listening to this podcast, of course, check out that one as well. Um, so yeah, so we got all cynical and weird and talking about serious topics. So let's make an awkward transition to, uh, the usual silliness that entails the end of our episodes with a food take mill. It's your turn. I know you said that you were a little unsure if you had one, uh, have you come to an opinion to share with the class? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I, I okay. ran out of, I, I ran out of food takes and I'm trying to think of one, but the problem is I don't think I have anything that's a hot take and I hate to do that to you guys because I can talk about literally anything else. Okay. I, what I, I, I told you I had a backup plan and I don't know if this qual this probably will not qualify as a hot take, but I would like to get this out into the public because it's been on my mind recently that, uh, I think Greek food is wildly underrated. Oh yeah. I like, I feel like in the, in the Chicagoland area, like if, it feels like there's Mexican food on every corner, probably because there's a lot of people from Mexico in this area. So that gets a lot of play and it's very good. And I don't want to besmirch that because it's all wonderful. But um, every time I have Greek food, I think, why don't I have this more often? So yeah, there you go. There's, that's, there's that's my of- deep burning hot take. Eat more Greek food. 
there's a lot of Greek restaurants in the region too. I that there are, and I'm 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 beginning to explore, which is the reason why this take came out. I think when you're in the right mood, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't like I, that much. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think it's definitely like it's not a main staple of a lot of diets, uh, but like there's it's a the lot Mediterranean of diet. Yeah, it probably true. should. It probably should be. That's my diet, honestly. <laughs> so it, it fits in for me. But like the, if you follow it strictly, it's pretty healthy. Like I, yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of, lot of Greek dishes are like. There's a lot of like freshly cooked meats and greens and stuff in there. Yes. So it's not like. And it, I, I feel like there's like like the thing with Italian food. I feel like it, whenever you eat Italian food, is you have to eat all of it. And yeah. I feel like with Greek food, the, the it just seems to be a healthier portion for some reason. Well, they do like family yeah. style a lot too. So you can yeah. just kind of take as much as you want, but you don't have to get like the biggest plate ever. Yeah, yes, you do, Mel. If you're if you're at an Italian restaurant, you do. Well, no, like really no, I'm talking about at a Greek restaurant. Okay. Like, I got you. They usually bring it out like family style sometimes. You can order it that way. So like okay. if if you're having the same thing with somebody else, and then if you fill your plate and you eat it and you want more, you just take more, but you don't have to get stuck with like a a ton if you don't want to. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's portion control, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's overrated. I, maybe it's because there's, I don't know that many great Greek restaurants in like the Atlanta area. And that's I was not, just about to ask how the Greek food is down there. <laughs> and then I, I'm like sitting there thinking like when I travel in the U.S., I don't, uh, Greek's not one of the places that I go to normally. I've been to Greece and the food there was delicious. Um, and I loved it the entire time. Um, and no, But nothing I've ever had in the U.S., has compared to that versus say like I've been to Italy too. And while food there obviously was phenomenal, I have had it, Italian food that's just as good um, in the U S same thing with like French and, and some other places. But I, I know my favorite food that I've had um, that was in Greece that I kept, I loved was um, their stuffed grape leaves. It had um, like lamb and rice in it. It was like an appetizer, I want to say, but I kept, that we make we make stuff like that uh serbs do too i know what you're talking about yeah it's so good and i just was like i would never have thought to be like yeah wrap my shit in a leaf and give it to me <laughs> <laughs> like like a random leaf like a great so the main thing i'm getting out of this conversation is i need about four or five days in santorini to uh really <laughs> take in the taking the the cuisine or i need to eat more greek food and like find better places that have greek food because Greek town Chicago when you come is awesome. I mean, like, there's yeah, there's all kind of places. There, there's a fair amount of Greek presence in the Chicagoland area that there's. I, I, I can't call it. I, I couldn't say authentic because I wouldn't know the difference. But I mean, it's pretty. It seems pretty good. I, I enjoy the hell out of it. There was a Greek fest a couple weeks ago, and I didn't go, and I immediately regret that I did not go. Maybe it's because I don't like like. There's a lot of yogurt in Greek food, and I'm not really big on yogurt based things. That seems to be a staple in a lot of, <laughs> they're always like, let me throw some white stuff on that. And I'm like, uh, I, I mean, this is tzatziki sauce, which, I probably Greek I, on, which is fine. It's just not my favorite. <laughs> you can order so much. Greek islands is the place I recommend, uh, in Chicago. It's like, it's the bomb.com. I'm bringing that back. Okay. No. That's going to be my new second city. <laughs> we name. we opened we opened with talking about Woodstock '99, and now you're bringing back phrases from 1999. I mean, what's up? 
Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> sorry, office just popped into my head. I think I think that's a perfect place to dismount, uh, get off this beam, and and then end this episode. Uh, any final thoughts from the panel from this here episode? Uh, go go get some Greek food. Yeah, go get some Greek food. There we go. Um, but thank you very much for listening to this episode. I was actually just, before we did this, I was looking at like some of the numbers we've had two some of our highest listened episodes. So, uh, I'm not, uh, so thanks oh, no. to everyone that's been listening. I don't know why you listen to this podcast, but I'm glad you do. Uh, I hope it's entertaining. I hope this one was entertaining as well. Um, we're probably not going to do too many of these episodes in the future. In fact, I wouldn't expect one. Uh, the musings on Madison anytime soon, unless something crazy happens with the Hawks, which, uh, kind of hoping it doesn't kind of hoping things go quiet for a while. That'd be, that'd be nice. Uh, th- there might be some deep dish episodes looking into reviving the Friday shows where we interview random people. I've got a few people in mind to talk to. So might have some of those podcast episodes coming your way. We'll have some content at the website. Uh, probably about time for a top 25 under 25 refresher since we haven't done that since, uh, the last season started. Um, but other than that, uh, like I said, this is hockey doldrum season, so maybe we'll just start getting weird and writing about uh, Greek food or uh, the weather in Georgia or, I don't know, just any other weird stuff we can come up with to keep everyone entertained for the next month. Spoiler, it's so gross here. Joining Dark Order. I bet. Joining the Dark Order. <laughs> That's oh, going to yeah. be the deep or, dish next week. Me and Shepard are going to talk it, about Or Shepard and Milk can have their wrestling corner, you know, what what have you. So, um, like I said, there's not going to be a lot, of, a lot of hockey talk, but we'll we'll try and still try and do some things and um, – Maybe we'll do a mailbag episode. I don't know. We, we've got some thoughts. We've got some ideas. If you have some ideas, you can tweet us to the uh, Second City Hockey account. That's 2ND City Hockey. You can tweet me, SCH underscore Dave M. Shepard is at Shepard Price. Mill is at Mill182. The website is secondcityhockey.com. Uh, also, you could email us, secondcityhockey at gmail.com. That's all spelled out. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Thanks to Betsy Mill and Shepard for hanging out. Thanks again to you for listening. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. As always, go on.